My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. E.T. Carpe diem. Seize the day. There's no place like home. He's looking at you, kid. Do or do not. There is no try. They remember forever the night they played the Titans. Well, welcome. How are you guys doing? Good. Welcome to At The Movies. I am so excited about this series. This series is uh, unique um, to to describe it best. Uh, You know, we love illustrations, but we don't very often use movie clips in order to make our illustrations. But this entire series, we're going to only use movie clips in order to help make the illustrations for what it is that we're talking about. Now, um, we're going to be If you were here last year, let me just back up for a second. If you were here last year when we did At The Movies, because this is our second time to do At The Movies, last year we walked through the stories that Jesus told. We call those parables. And we looked at those stories and we used some movies to highlight what was going on inside of the stories that he told. And one of the things we talked about in that series is, is that Jesus used stories in order to captivate people's attention, right? As he was telling those Everybody was drawn in. And the closest thing to that kind of storytelling today is the movies, right? I mean, the movies is that thing that we all get sucked up into the story of the characters and what's going on and the emotion of what's happening inside of that story. And that's kind of similar to what Jesus was doing when he was telling a parable back in the day. Now, we're not going to be looking at Jesus' parables this year. We're going to be doing something totally different. We're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Now, While you're getting there, maybe you've noticed this. Maybe you haven't been around long enough to notice it. Maybe today is your very first time to be with us. And you're like, really? Movies and church? How does that really work? Is that even something that we should do? And so I wanted to, before we even got started, just talk to you a little bit about some of how our teaching team puts together and some of our thoughts about different teaching styles. So there's a big fancy word, it's called expository, all right? And expository teaching simply means to expose or to show what the text is saying. And we think that there are three different types of expository biblical teaching, right? The first one is this idea of verse by verse, And you'll hear some churches that'll talk about, hey, we go verse by verse through um, the text that we're doing. Or maybe they pick a bigger, there's another fancy word, pericope. And pericope simply means a biblical unit of thought, right? And so they'll say, hey, we're picking a pericope so that you can have an entire unit of thought. And we're just going to walk straight through that. Some churches will go a little bit larger. They'll still be kind of verse by verse. But they'll say, we're going to tackle an entire chapter each time that we get together, right? And that's fantastic, that's great. That's one type of expository teaching. There's a second type that's called narrative. Now, most of you probably know and understand that the Bible is made up of a lot of stories. 
And so narrative teaching, what it is, is that you're looking at the stories that exist inside of the Bible, and then you're pulling a principle from the story and making an application of that into your life. And that's called narrative teaching or narrative preaching. But then there's a third one. And that third one is topical, or sometimes it's also called thematic teaching. In topical or thematic teaching, what it will do is it will look at an idea, a topic, a theme that exists inside of the Bible in order to give you kind of the entire idea about everything that the Bible says about this. And so a place that you might see that show up is something like marriage, like if a, a pastor wants to talk about marriage. There are a couple of good little passages that will give you some ideas about that. But they're like, oh, if we're going to talk about marriage, not only do we want to talk about Ephesians, but we want to go all the way back over to Genesis and talk about Genesis. And then, of course, you got to look at Song of Solomon. Right, if you're going to talk about marriage, you got to get in that book, all right? If you don't know about that book, go home and read it this week. It'll change your um, relationship with your wife, I promise, all right? It'll, it'll enhance it. Um, or, or maybe not. Or maybe you'll, you know, anyways. So, there's all three of these different types of teaching. Now, if you've been to other churches, sometimes you'll hear a church that will say, one of these three is better than the other. Some churches that love to do verse by verse, they're like, it's the only way you have to do verse by verse. If you don't, you're not covering all of the Bible. And then there's others that are like, well, how could you possibly say everything that the, the word has to say about something if you're not willing to take the whole topic and look at what the Bible says throughout all the pages of the Bible on this topic? And then there's others who are like, look, the Bible is about stories, and so we have to be able to tell the stories, and people need to understand the stories that are in there and the truths that come out of these stories. And here's what we think. Yes. <clears throat> we think that all three of those things are true. And so very intentionally, our teaching team will change the teaching method that we use from series to series. So if you don't like a series, just hang around because it's going to change in the next series of whatever it is that we do. Because we very intentionally move from each of those three different teaching ideas and work through them. Not only do we do that, but we're very intentional about moving between Old Testament and New Testament. And not only that, but there are different genres inside of the Bible. There is the history sections of both the Old Testament, which is like First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Samuel, right? These great history books that exist. Then there is the history in the New Testament of Acts. There are letters the letters that Paul wrote to all the different churches. If you were here back in January, we saw letters that Jesus wrote to some churches. <coughs> There's the Gospels. They're their own unique genre as well. There's the prophets, which we haven't done any prophets in here yet. There's a reason for that. They're really confusing, right? Maybe we'll get to prophecy at some point in time, but we haven't gotten there yet, all right? And then there's the, the Pentateuch, which has all of the old stories from the first five books of the Bible about how we came to be and the law that comes alongside of that. Listen, there are commands that exist inside of that. And we know that all of those different genres have different things that they need in order for the text to come to life and for us to see what's being done inside of it. And so our teaching team very intentionally works between all three of those different styles and all of those different genres 
for the purpose of doing what we think Paul said to the Ephesians. Paul said, I spent all of this time with you teaching and preaching so that you would have the whole counsel of God. <coughs> D.A. Carson, when he was talking, um, when he saw this section of what, what Paul said about the whole counsel of God, he has this incredible quote that he says, here's what I think Paul was trying to communicate. D.A. Carson said, Paul must mean this, that he taught the burden of the whole of God's revelation. He taught the balance of things, leaving nothing out that was of a primary importance. He didn't duck any of the hard bits, and all of that was to help believers grasp the whole counsel of God so that they themselves could become better equipped to read their Bibles intelligently and comprehensively. Listen, this is our goal. As you hear or see anybody that's up here that's teaching and preaching God's word, it's this. It's that, number one, that we would show you God's purposes in history. We call that redemptive history, right? That's the truth that we can believe and that there is a God that is to be worshipped because of that. Here's the second thing. That we should consistently be unpacking the origin of both the fall, the redemption, and human destiny. <laughs> we want you to understand a worldview that understands that there is a Savior, that without that Savior, there would be no hope for us. We want you to understand the conduct that's expected of God's people. These come in the form of the commandments that are supposed to be obeyed. And really, this section of stuff that we're going to be studying is the wisdom, the wisdom that is for us to be pursuing both in our individual existence and in the community of believers or a community of the people of God. And here's the final thing is that we pledge that we want to showcase the transforming power, the transforming power both in this life and in the life to come about the hope that's to be anticipated. So that gives you kind of a snapshot. We've never said that in this room before. So if you've been here for a long time, you're like, I didn't know that. It's never been said before. But we thought as we started this series, which is so different, right? And, and it does something so different with what we're trying to do. We thought, you know, it's important for people to understand that we value all of those different ways of coming and looking at scripture because we desire to equip you with the whole counsel of God. Well, with all of that said, hopefully you have found Ecclesiastes chapter one and we're gonna dive in together starting in verse one and we're gonna read all the way through verse 12. It says this, it says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of all vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of all vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all of the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and it hastens to the place where it rises the wind blows to the south and it goes around to the north and round and round goes the wind and on its circuit the wind returns. All the streams, they run to the sea. But check this out, the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, they flow again. All things are full of weariness and a man cannot 
utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. The ear is filled with hearing. But what has been, it will be. And what has been is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is, there is a new thing which it is said, see this is new. It's already been in the ages that were before us. But there is no remembrance of former things. Nor will be, there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I, I thank you for the wisdom and the truths that we're going to look at today. And God, even though this movie that we're going to use, there was probably no intention of the writers or the directors, but God, truth is still your truth. And the fact that we can use this to highlight the truth of what your word is saying is such a magnificent thing, and we give you glory and honor for that. May our hearts be ready to receive that truth, and may we be ready to act upon it today. We give you all of the glory and the honor. In your name we pray. Amen.
I couldn't help but, uh, as I read this part of the chapter, but think about that movie, The Lion King, right? Roy Disney described The Lion King this way. He said, it sat in the vast savanna of the African plains, and it's the, the story about growing up. It's a story about taking our place in the world and about the wisdom we inherit from the generations that came before us and about how we must discover the value of that wisdom. That is almost the perfect backdrop for the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, the word Ecclesiastes means for the gathering, right? And it's most likely that this entire book, all 12 chapters, was one big sermon that was given by, well, he calls himself the preacher, right? In fact, it, some of your versions may say Kohelet, right? And there's several different ways to, to, to spell that, but Kohelet really means the preacher or the one who has the people that are assembled in order to hear and to pass on the wisdom. And so here it is, the son of David, the king, Solomon, at the end of his life, who has gathered together all of Israel. And for the next 12 chapters, 12 chapters, he presents a sermon. Eight pages, 12 chapters. I think they might have been there for a while. But Solomon desperately wanted to, to give them some of the wisdom. I mean, here it was, the man who was considered one of the wisest men ever. And he's like, I'm looking back on all of my life, and I just want to tell you some of the things that I've learned. And just as this movie opens and it describes the circle of life, the preacher says as he opens up his sermon, he says, look, he says, the wind makes a cycle, but it never seems to change anything. He's like, people come and people go, but the earth remains the same. He said, the streams flow and they go out to the sea and then all of a sudden the streams flow again. He said, it's just a gigantic cycle. Disney stole from Ecclesiastes. But he says, all of this seems vain. He comes to this conclusion that I think anybody, in fact, I know that anybody who doesn't believe in God comes to the same conclusion. An atheist, somebody who might be even just a humanist, would say, as we look at the existence of all of life and the cycle of what goes on over and over and over again, it's all meaningless. Dad! Dad! Come on, Dad, we gotta go! Wake up! Son, before sunrise, he's your Dad. son. Dad, come on, Dad. Dad. You promised. Okay, okay. I'm up, I'm up. Yeah!
Look, Simba. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. A king's time as ruler rises and falls like the sun. One day, Simba, the sun will set on my time here and will rise with you as the new king. And this will all be mine? Everything. Everything the light touches. What about that shadowy place? That's beyond our borders. You must never go there, Simba. But I thought a king can do whatever he wants. Oh, there's more to being king than getting your way all the time. There's more? <laughs> Simba. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. As king, you need to understand that balance and respect all the creatures, from the crawling ant to the leaping antelope. Dad, don't we eat the antelope? Yes, Simba, but let me explain. When we die, our bodies become the grass, and the antelope eat the grass. And so, we are all connected in the great circle of life. You know, if it was biblical, I'm sure many of you dads would adopt the same position of Mufasa. He's your son before the sun gets up, right? I, I, I certainly tried that in my house, but my wife was quick to remind me that that wasn't in the Bible anywhere. You know, I love that Mufasa, as he's talking to Simba, he tells him that everything that the light touches is your kingdom. And then he tells him that one day the sun will set on his kingdom and that he would, Simba, would, it would rise on him as the new king. You know, as we go through the first several chapters of Ecclesiastes, there are two different positions of knowledge that we're going to see. And the first one is called under the sun. Wisdom that's found under the sun. In fact, that's the one that you're going to see overtly mentioned over and over and over again, is that this seemed like under the sun, it was vanity of vanities. And under the sun is all of those things which we can learn and understand as humanity. But there's a second position that he begins to unfold later on in Ecclesiastes, but it sits here right now kind of in contrast that if there is something that's under the sun, then there must be something that is above the sun. And above the sun, wisdom, or above the sun, knowledge, is that which is from and of God. And to be honest, any time that you and I begin to try to understand the wisdom and the knowledge of who God is and what God does and how he operates, I have to be honest with you, we fail to understand it. If you need some examples, let's just try figuring out how um, big, giant God of the universe came to live in little tiny baby and was fully God and fully human at the same time. I have no idea how that works. But in God's infinite wisdom and his knowledge, he understood how that works. Or how about the fact that God is a triune God? He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they're co-equals in power, co-equals in authority, co-equals in all things. But he's still just one God. That doesn't make any sense to me. My human reasoning says that doesn't make any sense. Because it's not under the sun, it's definitely above the sun. And Solomon says, look, as we're approaching things, we're going to see two different perspectives, that which is under the sun and that which is above the sun. And 
as Solomon begins to, to explore things, he's going to say, I've chased everything, every sort of wisdom, every place that you could possibly get wisdom from under the sun. And Solomon seems to have this burning question throughout the entirety of the book of Ecclesiastes. And it shows up because we see the word vanity, vanity, vanity over and over and over again. But Solomon seems to have this burning question of, was my pursuit of all of these things and my attempt to give you the knowledge and wisdom, is it vanity or not? You know, just after this point in the movie where Mufasa is trying to impart wisdom to his son, the movie takes a dramatically sad turn. And Scar, Mufasa's brother, plots and successfully throws a, a coup by killing the king. And he sends Simba off into the wilderness. And Scar ascends to become the new king. And Simba runs away. And as he runs away, he meets two new friends, Timon and Pumbaa. And together they pursue this life that is totally different than what he had been brought up in and was all about his own self. And he lives a life of pursuing his own things all until the moment when his past catches up with him. <clears throat> and Simba is faced with a really tough choice. Isn't this a great place? It is beautiful. But I don't understand something. You've been alive all this time. Why didn't you come back to Pride Rock? Well, I just needed to get out on my own. Live my own life, and I did, and it's great. We've really needed you at home. No one needs me. Yes, we do. You're the king. Nala, we've been through this. I'm not the king. Scar is. Simba, he let the hyenas take over the Pride Lands. What? Everything's destroyed. There's no food, no water. Simba, if you don't do something soon, everyone will starve. I can't go back. Why? You wouldn't understand. What wouldn't I understand? No, no, no. It doesn't matter. Hakuna Matata. What? Hakuna Matata. It's something I learned out here. Look, sometimes bad things happen. Simba. And there's nothing you can do about it. So why worry? Because it's your responsibility. Well, what about you? You left? I left to find help. And I found you. Don't you understand? You're our only hope. Sorry. What's happened to you? You're not the Simba I remember. You're right. I'm not. Now are you satisfied? No. Just disappointed. You know, you're starting to sound like my father. Good. At least one of us does. Listen! You think you can just show up and tell me how to live my life? You don't even know what I've been through. I would if you just tell me. Forget it! Fine! She's wrong. I can't go back. What would it prove anyway? It won't change anything. You can't change the past. You said you'd always be there for me. But you're not. 
But it's because of me. It's my fault. It's my fault. Asante san squash bana wewe Come on, will you cut it out? Can't cut it out. It'll go right back. <laughs> Creepy little monkey. Will you stop following me? Who are you? The question is, who are you? I thought I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I know who you are. Shh, come here. It's a secret. Uh, enough already. What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. <gasps> Bye. Hey, wait! You know my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. Hurry up! Hey, whoa, wait, wait! Come on! Come on! Would you slow down? That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. Forgotten me. No. How could I? You have forgotten who you are. 
so forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Peculiar, don't you think? Yeah. Looks like the winds are changing. Ah, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can't hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm gonna take your stick. No, 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 no! Not your stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Good! Get out of here! <laughs> You know, it's got so much truth packed into it. Now, I said earlier that I don't think that the, the writers or the animators that put this movie together were thinking about biblical truth, but man, it's all right here. Simba starts off by with an argument with, with Nala, and then he comes out, and he's like, she's wrong, and he looks up to heaven, and he yells at heaven, right? You said you would always be there for me, but you're not. Man, sometimes we feel like that, don't we? Whatever's going on in our life, we, we know that God has said that he will always be there for us. But sometimes when everything is just gone to hell in a handbasket, we look up and we want to scream at him, but you said... But then I love when Simba is talking with Rafiki. And Rafiki asks him if he knows who he is, and Simba says, I, I thought I did, but I'm not so sure anymore. And Rafiki says, but I know who you are. And the moment that he says to him that he's Mufasa's boy, his head changes. It picks up. And he turns and he goes and he chases after. You know, as we read the chapters of Ecclesiastes, we're going to see that Solomon is not that much different than Simba. And as we're going through it, you can begin to see this, this person who pursued all of these other things. But then there comes a moment where he remembers who he was. 
In fact, I love this. In verse 11, Solomon says this. He says, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come afterwards. You see, Solomon says, we all have the same problem. And the problem is that we forget who we are. But watch this. The moment that Simba heard the truth of who he was, he turned and began to pursue that truth. And I love the moment where he comes up to wise Rafiki sitting on the rock, right? Rafiki's there channeling all the forces of the universe in that moment. And Simba says, you knew my father. And he says, correction, I know your father. And he says, I'll take you to go see him. And they go through the path and they come to the water. And when Simba looks down, he says, well, that's just my reflection. Rafiki says, no, look harder. He says, because in that reflection, you see your father. I love this because you and I are a reflection of the Father. That's what we were created to be and who we are. But we forget that. We forget our identity. We forget who we are. We forget, more importantly, whose we are. <coughs> We forget that we're not subject to all of the wisdom that is under the sun. But we are subject to that wisdom which is above the sun. The one who gave all of it and made all of it and made you and me. You know, I love this. Paul wrote to the church in Rome and he says this. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God. In other words, those people who are followers of Jesus, that they are sons of God. And if children, then that means that they are heirs. In fact, they are joint heirs. In other words, they have the same thing being given to them as Jesus Christ, the one true king. You see, Solomon in his pursuits that he's going to talk about, he forgot who he was. And maybe as we go through this summer, and as we look at some of the different pursuits that Solomon went after, you're going to realize that you've forgotten who you were after one of these different pursuits, the same as Solomon forgot who he was. But Solomon is begging us. He's pleading with us to realize that we need to remember. I think there are three things, three things that we should remember. Here's the first one. We need to remember what Solomon says. As we go through, Solomon shares his story. And he wants you to understand that he can relate with anything and everything because he's done it all. He's been there. He's been through it. 
And he says, I'm pleading with you to remember what it is that I'm saying. So as these moments come where you begin to think that I can get my fulfillment, my happiness, my wisdom, all of the things that will make me better and who I am through any of these under the sun pursuits, that you would remember Solomon and what he's already experienced and the truth that he's trying to give us so that we do not have to make the same mistakes that he did. Here's the second thing. He wants us to remember who you reflect. Who you reflect. We've said it this way a couple of times in the room. It is more important not to know who you are, but to know whose you are. Because that's where your identity comes from. Not who you are, but whose you are. Here's the last thing. Think that Solomon is begging for us to remember where you have been. So often we want to forget our past. We want to forget where it is that we've come from. But Solomon begs us to not forget He says, nobody's remembering where it is that they've come from. Nobody's going to even remember when they get to the future about what's happened. He's saying, nobody remembers. And I love the quote that Rafiki says. He says, sure, the past can hurt. You can either run from it or you can learn from it. And when we forget our past, we're choosing to run from it as opposed to learn from it. Listen, Solomon surmises that most people, most people are just going to run from it because they don't want to remember. In fact, Solomon himself didn't want to remember where it was that he came from. In fact, he tells us that he was the person who followed after the king right? His dad, David, was the greatest king ever. And that's how everybody viewed him. And even though Solomon was the wisest man, he sat in the shadow of his dad, and he just wanted to forget that and be his own man. And so he pursued everything he could. But did you notice at the very beginning, when he says he's the preacher, he says, I am the son of David, the king of Jerusalem. He came all the way back around full circle because he remembered. He remembered what he said. He remembered who he reflected. And he remembered where he had been. Sure, the past hurts. But you can't run from it. But you can learn from it. And I think more than anything, Solomon is saying, as we go through this book, remember, remember, remember. God, I thank you. Thank you for this incredible sermon that a man so long ago stood up and he preached to a group of people like what's in this room right now. And God, that you inspired his words. And that he understood that all of us have a place. And that if we come at things from 
under the sun that we definitely will see that it's vanity. And God, we're going to see vanity as we go through the next couple of weeks. But God, I pray that we would not be a people who would forget, but that we would be a people who remember. We would remember what your word says. God, that we would hide it deep in our hearts so that we would not sin against you. God, that we would remember that we are created in your image to reflect you in this world. And God, that we would remember where it is that we have been and God, where it is that we're going. Thank you for a hope that we have like nobody else. We just give you all of the glory and the honor. It's in your precious and holy and powerful name we pray.